Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today I have with me my guest, Paula Hanna. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Paula has been having me for many years. Paula has hosted my uh, comprehensive lactation course as well as my lactation review course for more years than I can remember now just outside of Dallas, Texas. So let me tell you just a little bit about Paula. Paula Hanna, MSN, RNC, MNN, IBCLC, ICCE, is the lactation coordinator and perinatal navigator at Medical City Louisville in Louisville, Texas. She has been an international board-certified lactation consultant and an international certified childbirth educator, ICCE, since 2005. She began her career in 1998 working on a mother-baby unit in Dallas, Texas. She began nursing school at age 18, and she says she became a nurse to make a difference in people's lives, and that nursing has been more than a job. It's her passion. She strives to be an experience changer for many of her patients. Paula has a passion for implementing evidence-based practice change. She recently completed two evidence-based practice projects on implementing skin-to-skin in the uh, operating room and using human donor milk for full-term infants outside of the NICU. Now, notice this. In 2017, Paula was awarded the title of one of the Dallas-Fort Worth's Great 100 Nurses. And I just want to add my two cents to that, which is I am absolutely sure that Paula is probably one of the top 10 in Dallas. She is truly a remarkable nurse, uh, a, a gracious host for all the times that I have shown up at her facility. And I know that you're going to enjoy talking with Paula or rather hearing as Paula shares with us. Uh, some of her perspectives on what it's like to be a hospital-based IBCLC. Now, so often I hear people tell me, and this I guess is one of the perks of coming to my live course or my hybrid course, is that uh, we have these hallway conversations and people tell me that they want to be an IBC in a hospital. And some of them really, really, really think they want that. And Sometimes I'm like, oh, wait a minute, could you like back up a minute? Let's talk about what an IBCLC really does. So I asked Paula if she would come on today to talk about that. Paula, could you start us off, though, by telling us what got you so interested in breastfeeding and lactation in the first place? 
So my interest in lactation really was probably began with my experience with patients. I was able to really spend time with them at their bedside and really understand the importance that moms kind of placed on breastfeeding and that, that whole experience. And then with my personal experience of breastfeeding my own daughters, I think I really understood the value in getting help and knowing where to go for help and the, just the value that the lactation consultant played with me. I wanted to be able to, to do that for other moms as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of begs the question. I remember some years ago, I was teaching in Atlanta and there was a woman who said she had been a, a La Leche League leader for 17 years. And I said to her, 17 years is a long time. What finally got you to say, hey, I'm really going to get my IBCLC. I'm going to get my certification. When was it that that dawned on you? What what really kind of got you to just pull the trigger on that? I think working alongside the IBCLCs in the hospital that I worked in, just Mm -hmm. knowing their knowledge base and the really just the credibility, I think, that the mentors that they worked alongside of passed along to them and then in their mentorship for me, just really understanding just the knowledge base and the the benefits of the evidence that we that we find in, in lactation, knowing where to, to go for the research, knowing where to find the answers. I really think as an IBCLC, you're sort of given that Sorry, Murray. I'm struggling with this answer. <laughs> um, okay. Essentially, it sounds like you felt like there you were surrounded by some people who were inspirational, knowledgeable, supportive, and you wanted to be one of those people. Exactly. Exactly. And knowing where to find information. And my mentors were had a tremendous impact sort of in the foundation that I found in lactation. Wow, that's sure really different than my journey, but (laughs) um, I had, uh, let me just say that my experience was the opposite, but anyway, uh, so Paula, I want to go to this hospital thing here because my sense is that you have a position that is very similar to a position that I've had in the past. You're working in a hospital And I'm guessing that your role entails more than just giving direct care to mothers and babies. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, to my mind, the hospital lactation consultant has a whole lot more stuff to do other than at the bedside. So talk to us a little bit about what else you do in a typical day. So I spend a lot of my time Yes, at patient's bedside doing hands-on lactation, but I also am very active in our committees. I'm a part of our maternal leveling committee. I'm a part of our NICU leveling committee. I am part of a lactation work group that meets monthly. And I really think my role in addition to bedside lactation assisting is to really make sure that current evidence and the the correct information is brought to not only my other lactation consultants, but also my my bedside staff nurses. Okay, so that implies that you have other IBCLCs who are working under you. Is that correct? So I have IBCLCs that kind of work alongside of me. So I'm the coordinator of the department. So I sort of coordinate scheduling. I coordinate 
just making sure that we have the coverage that we need. We do have a manager that actually sort of runs the department. So you, your role is not necessarily supervisory. Exactly. Uh-huh. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, certainly, yes, you mentioned the sitting on committees. Uh, that's a, that was a huge part for me. I'm guessing that that sort of also rolls into some communicating and collaborating with other people on the healthcare team, not only in those meetings, but elsewhere. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what you do other than bedside care. So within those meetings, I take a lot of the the current information, for example, the benefits of, of donor milk with my implementing the use of donor milk for our full-term babies, um, a lot of the medication safety, if we have moms that are given or treated with different medications, making sure that everybody's on the same page for, you know, mm. safety, mm. making sure that our, that our NICU babies with moms that may be delivered, you know, preterm or they're having blood pressure issues or they're having, um, you know, just other, other system issues. If we have a mom that goes to the ICU, making sure that her care team in the ICU and the care team for the baby are all sort of on the same page. I think I kind of sort of bring the couplet together, making sure that both yeah. the obstetricians and the, the medical doctors, as well as the baby's providers are all sort of getting the same, the same information. Yeah, that's such a big part because I would say for me, it was not only if the baby was in the NICU, if it was, it might've been also or separately, the mother in the medical ICU or in the surgical ICU. And they're kind of like, they, they really are clueless. And so you try to bring some sense of, as you say, bringing them together, making sure everybody's singing off the same page. Uh, care can get really fragmented really easily. What about post-discharge resources? So for us, we actually, I actually host our weekly breastfeeding support group. So for moms after discharge, they're actually able to come back weekly to this breastfeeding support group. And I have had tremendous success with this group. Moms that are still coming at 10, 12, 18 months post-delivery. Moms that are coming back with second babies um, and bringing their toddlers back. And it's been a, just a, a wonderful success. And I really have taken sort of ownership of it. I, I love this group. I love these moms. Um, we, we just have a, a great time every week. And I think this has made a, a huge impact on mother success. And Absolutely. it's a community. It's not just patients that deliver here for us. It's, it's a community-based support group. And then for moms who are not able to, um, to attend that, I do have, we do have private LC, IBCLCs in the community that I can refer them to. Um, we have other other resources for them that I can actually provide if, if, if necessary. Sure. Sure. Uh, Paula, that just sounds so really fantastic. As I recall though, your facility does not have an outpatient lactation department, correct? We don't. This is actually sort of in place of the outpatient. In place of. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's just fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Tell us a little bit, because I often, encounter people who don't understand that lactation is sort of the like this sub sub specialty and I would be interested to know your take on how does your nursing background affect your current role as an IBCLC and by the way for those of you who are listening 
Paula holds a master's degree in nursing, okay? So she's been in this game a lot from both the educative standpoint as well as the clinical standpoint. So how does your nursing background affect your role as an IBCLC? Um, I think just you kind of said it there with my, my clinical background, having a clinical understanding of just sort of the postpartum recovery period for mom, the transitional period for the baby, I mean, we both know that unfortunately babies aren't born and they just latch right on and know exactly what to do. Right. Um, sometimes we run into issues with the tongue or the jaw or just other anatomy type issues. And I, I really believe that my background in the nursery for those years before I became an IBCLC has helped me to identify some of those a little faster. I think it kind of laid the foundation. I think in my role as an IBCLC, had I not had a medical background, I may have, that may have developed over time, but stepping into it, already having that medical background, I felt a little more confident. I felt like I understood this transitional process that mom and babies both go through. And I think that just kind of helped me be able to step into this a little more successfully and a little more confidently. Yeah, I would agree. I'm thinking of myself that on an almost day-to-day basis, even now, I think that somewhere with that broad background, uh, I have a, a different perspective or a deeper understanding. And sometimes I don't need that deeper understanding, but it's kind of really nice to have, or I have some insight that... I cannot imagine how I would have had without a nursing background. But that being said, you and I both know some IBCLCs who are not nurses, and they have been hugely successful, hugely helpful to mothers who are trying to lactate. And, well, I, I, I want to back up. Mothers are going to lactate. Whether or not they're going to breastfeed, that's another story. <laughs> you know, But... Uh, it seems to me that just having that perspective, that insight, at least for me, was hugely uh, helpful. Do you think it also helps you in your relationships with other people on the healthcare team? I think so. I think with my physicians, a, lo- a lot of them, we I have a great relationship with the physicians and the team that we have here. Many of them will come to me for answers to specific lactation-related questions. I'm not so sure that it necessarily comes from my nursing background, because like you said, I think there's IBCLCs out there that are non-nurses that are phenomenal, and that experience comes with time. But I do think with my nursing background, in addition to my IBCLC, I also have maybe a little bit, again, I think it's a lot of just sort of what's happening to this dyad during that postpartum period. I think having spent so much time at the bedside with postpartum moms and understanding what happens after a postpartum hemorrhage and the additional care that mom needs, what happens with a baby that's been separated from with mom for, you know, four or five, six weeks. And now we're trying to get this baby to the breast. Um, So I think that all has, has played into me just being able to kind of guide these moms having had that experience at the bedside. Yeah, I I think that, uh, again, it really comes back to that breadth and perspective and insight. And I'm I'm sure that people can get it otherwise. But having had that experience, 
Yeah, that really makes a lot of sense to me. Hey, everybody, for those of you who are listening, I am talking today with Paula Hanna, and we are talking about the role of the IBCLC, who is hospital-based, and we will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso, your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with Paula Hanna. We are talking about the role of the IBCLC in a hospital setting. Now, speaking of hospital settings, as I said, Paula has hosted me at her hospital for more than one of my courses for several years, and it's been a real pleasure to be at Medical City 
Louisville, which is just outside of Dallas, Texas. I would invite you to come a different year because by the time that you're hearing this, the course there will have been over, but no worries. I will be returning uh, because we always have so many people there. But uh, if you missed it, you can also do my 90-hour online course. We also have a review course that is online. But that being said, I would be happy to see you in Dallas or any of the other cities where I am. So, Paula, we left off by talking a little bit about how your nursing background somewhat informs your role as an IBCLC, but now I kind of want to go in the other direction, which is your role is different from that of the staff nurse, and yet the staff nurse does need to help breastfeeding moms and babies. So do you give your staff any uh, guidance or have they just kind of found their own way or do you have any thoughts in your own head about how does the staff nurse know when it's time to call you? So that is actually a great question. And I actually have a passion for education. I'm having yep. my master's in nursing education. I really feel, I understand the value of making sure that not only are our staff nurses educated, but that we're all coming from the same, sort of the same perspective. We're all following sort of a standard guideline when it comes to how we educate moms, what we're telling moms. I, yes. The concept of mixed messages is Ugh. a big, it's a big de- deal for me and making sure that moms don't feel like one person is telling them one thing and then the next nurse is telling them something else, because I think that just sort of builds up the, the concept that they're failing in this. If they're hearing all of these different pieces of advice, like, why can't I get this right? If somebody's telling me something different every time. And, and, and moms will say that. I don't know who to believe. Exactly. Exactly. So for me, we actually have, we are hugely supported within our division for breastfeeding. And I'm so thankful for that. And our actually hospital division, which is made up of a few different facilities here in the North Texas area. And we actually host a breastfeeding training for bedside staff nurses. It's a requirement for staff nurses to go through this. And it's actually taught by some lactation consultants within the division, the same lactation consultants teach it at every division facility. So the nurses are all hearing the exact same presentation, getting the exact same pieces of information. Ideally, the sort of the focus is to make sure that yes, we're all on the same page, but almost the concept of a nurse could travel to a different facility and be saying the same and be giving patients the same information that their staff nurses would be giving. Very nice. And I think that has made a huge impact on patients' confidence levels, on patients being able to go to a different facility for support. If they, for, for example, I might have a mom that delivers here but lives in Dallas, and so she may go to the Dallas facility for lactation support af- after discharge, and she's going to get the same information there from those same nurses, which is so, so important for me, for yes. patients to get the yes. same now, Paula, help me here because I'm pretty sure that Medical City Dallas, Medical City Medical City Louisville, is an HCA hospital, correct? It is, yes. So, are you talking about just the HCA hospitals, or are you talking about other hospitals in in North Dallas as well? So, for our breastfeeding training, it is actually just within our division. So, we have. 
quite a few medical city hospitals within the North Texas area. Um, I believe there's 12 sort of in this division, um, all the way up into sort of the, just over the border into Oklahoma. Yep. And we have these nurses that are trying to travel around to these different facilities to educate staff. And it has been phenomenal. My, my staff actually just finished. I had every single staff member except for a few that were on maternity leave or something else that kept them from it. Sure. So now I've had nearly nearly 100% of my staff. And this isn't just our postpartum staff. This is our labor and delivery staff. This is our NICU yes. staff. We want everybody to be coming from the same knowledge base so that these parents, these moms are in, and families are receiving the same information. Yeah, I, and I would say this is, I, I ran into this as well, uh, that a huge part of the role of the IBCLC in a hospital is making sure that there is that continuity of message, n- not only within, but around, as you've pointed out. And the, quite honestly, the bigger the hospital, the more units you have, the more complicated it is, and you very frequently find yourself, I'm kind of speaking for your, for myself here as well as you, but the, the more people that you have involved, the more you've got to work at trying to keep those mixed messages, not mixed, but rather consistent. So, Paula, let me ask you this. I'm pretty sure that you work full-time, and I really do think you are Wonder Woman. I have been astonished at the things that you've called me about, and I know that you're just always thinking, woman. You just are. (laughs) You are always thinking. (laughs) Um, But tell me, what would you consider to be the most difficult part of your role? Um, so I'm, I'm very thankful for you, Marie. I'm very thankful that I can send you an email or I can call you when I run into those breastfeeding challenges, which, which do happen. To be honest, I don't really feel like I run into difficulties within my unit. It actually, you just really just hit the nail on the head when you talked about a larger facility, which we are really not. We're sort of more of that mid-sized facility. Yeah. as compared to our hospitals in Dallas and things like that. But we do have other units and we have patients that sometimes can hit a few of those different units from our medical ICUs to our progressive cares, to our emergency room. And I probably have found that some of my challenges are everybody having the same or maybe wanting everybody to have the same knowledge base that I have when it comes to oh, safety, yeah. safety of lactation with different types of procedures, for example, x-rays or CT scans and the use of different medications and contrast and things like that, or anesthesia, moms who come back to have their gallbladder removed and have gone under anesthesia and, oh, you can't breastfeed now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And just getting everybody to, you know, know what's in my head. I want to pass it along to everybody in every department, you know, and know what's safe and what's not safe. And um, we've tried to facilitate having access to different resources. And I work very much from an evidence-based practice standpoint, and I want what the evidence says to be translated to best practice. And sometimes it's not. Right. And it, it frustrates me for sure when I'll, when I'll find a mom who I'll get my hands on, you know, th- two or three days post-surgery. And she's like, well, I've been pumping and dumping. And when can I start breastfeeding again? And I'm like, wait, what? You've been doing what? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's hard. And, you know, never will I ever go against a physician as a physician's recommendation or anything like that, but being able to provide them with the information saying, Hey, let's talk about this. This is yeah. the information that I have. 
what you know, where are you finding your information and making sure that we're making the best decision for these patients and making sure that we're all, again, just in agreement, I think is sort of my, probably one of the most difficult, difficult pieces that I run into. I agree. And it is, um, sometimes if I have a good rapport with the physician, I'm in good shape. But sometimes, like this could be a patient who's on an orthopedic unit or something. Well, I don't really know anybody over there. And so you end up in a situation where you're trying to advocate for the patient. And yes, you do want to dump out all of your brain power and all of your information and all of your evidence-based everything, except that honestly, breastfeeding is not on their radar at all, right? Exactly. (laughs) And so... It becomes very difficult to just, like, get in there, be an advocate for the patient. But as you say, I, too, I am not going to say, well, your doctor is full of beans, even though sometimes your doctor actually is full of beans. But, you know, you just can't handle it that way. You just can't. And uh, I'm not surprised to hear you say that's one of the most difficult uh, parts of your job. How would you say if there was any one tip that you would give out there, and this could be like you and I could probably talk about this all week, but if there was one tip that you would give to people about those um, those situations, what would it be? I think having correct information, being, being armed with the evidence, being search, it makes a huge difference when I can actually take that documentation that says this, this particular medication has actually been studied or it's been looked at and evaluated for safety. Can, you know, can we talk about this? Yeah. I think also yeah. the, interdisciplinary, the interdisciplinary approach that we have here within this facility and interdisciplinary department meetings and the support that I have from my staff, even my manager, my director, you know, I, I 100% feel like they're on my side. And if I go to them and say, I really feel like we're doing this patient a disservice by mm. restricting this or by her not mm. getting this correct information, they are they are 100% going to back me up, especially when I have the evidence to support going one direction say. versus another. Yes, yes. I, I would agree. And I also think you said a key word there, and that is interdisciplinary. Um, when I was in a role very similar to yours, that was one thing that I learned really early in the game, that if I was spinning in my own orbit, it just was not going to work. Now, I had a lot of difficulty helping people to understand that breastfeeding needed to be part of the conversation, part of the discussion, but it does have to be part of the discussion And that evidence does need to be pretty much under your arm as you go forward. And you brought out another point, which is, I found that sometimes it's good to be able to say, uh, we need to talk about this. Can Can we have this conversation? I think you're doing this patient a disservice, or rather we, not you, because as soon as people get up their hackles, it just does not work at all. You've really got to keep those lines of communication open. And Paula, uh, there's no question in my mind, but what you have outstanding communication skills, but I'm sure that that has happened over the years as well. Although, I don't know, your mother probably brought you up right. That's good too. But (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean. So 
what would you describe as the most satisfying part of your job? I think actually the development of this breastfeeding support group has really sort of changed my kind of my whole feeling about my job. Um, really? really, yeah, I, I take so much just maybe pride in really the, when the moms come back and I couldn't have done this without you. And thank you so oh, much yeah. for being such an advocate for me. And thank you so much for pushing me to get through those first couple of weeks. And I think I really found in the beginning of my career that I, that I lost touch with a lot of patients. I, you know, I only yes. had access to them for two or three days and if they came back for an outpatient visit, if, when we did have an outpatient clinic, they would come once or twice. But now I have moms that come weekly and come weekly for months. And they will, you know, I get, I get a Christmas card and, you know, oh, we've been yeah. breastfeeding for 14 months and I couldn't have done this without you. And just to know and be able to follow up and be able to, and I've had, I've had friends now that had these patients that have become friends. Um, yeah. I I've had patients that have, you know, asked me to be a godparent to their child. Oh, wow. after, you know, we made it through the whole year of breastfeeding. And, and I think I, before I couldn't do that, I didn't have a, a way to, to maintain that connection and pa- patients would kind of fall off my radar. And now I, I really have this ability to maintain that relationship and maintain those friendships. And it's been amazing. And I really think that is more of where my job satisfaction has come in. I'm, I'm very much a people person and I mm-hmm. want to not just care for them for 24 or 48 or 72 hours. I want to be able to care for them as long as they need my care and as long as they want my, my assistance and my help. And the hospital has just been a tremendous supporter of letting me do this weekly and giving me the space and telling me, yes, you can step off the floor roll and step into this for two or three or four hours a week, whatever you might need to make sure that these moms can be successful after they go home. Paul, that is so exciting. And I know that there are some people listening who do have a role similar to yours, but they don't have that uh, weekly support group. You didn't have that support group at first either, did you? I didn't, no. How long have you been doing that? Because I'm thinking... When I first met you, I was sure you were not doing that. How long have you been doing the support group thing? Probably a little over four years now. Okay. Okay. And I would agree with you. I was kind of in your boat. I used to think of myself as helping people for two days or maybe three days or whatever. And I used to joke that after three days, I didn't know what happened to the baby. I presumed that they sent him to boarding school somewhere. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just, if it, it, as you said, kind of fell off your radar. But there's so much satisfaction in knowing that you've really helped mothers to meet their goals and to have the best. And we could talk forever about how important those first 1,000 days are. And to be part of that, that is just a hugely gratifying uh, kind of situation. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with Paula Hanna. We will be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. 
Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894 and ask for your bulk discount. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with hospital-based IBCLC, Paula Hanna. Paula, another thing that people might be surprised about, and I was kind of surprised when I found myself in this situation, and that is, oh, it's not just the patients. It's the employees. That became part of my job, and uh, it, it it really just hadn't dawned on me that that would be part of the hospital's, the um, hospital-based person's job. But I worked in a facility that was big enough that we had our own zip code. So, yeah, we had a lot of employees. Tell us a little bit about what you have done to support employees 
and how do how do you work that into your day to day role of all the other stuff you're doing? So we are a breastfeeding friendly work site where we have an actual designated space for employees to be able to come and pump. It is set up with their sink and all of the supplies that they need to be able to be successful. We will provide them with either a pump to use if they have the necessary attachments to go to that, or they can bring their personal pump. I have actually, because we are a fairly decent sized facility and it is hard for some of our staff nurses to get away from their units, especially in the ICU setting or the emergency room setting, I have taken one of our hospital grade pumps down to those units and provided that to them for them to use. We have, I feel like pregnant employees come in like threes. So there'll be three (laughs) nurses that are pregnant in the emergency room or three nurses that are pregnant in the ICU, which is great. They're all sort of pumping together and they can support each other, which is great. But then I can also be that added support to them to provide them whatever they may need to help them be successful. But I'm guessing it's not just the nurses. Don't you get people from the lab or HR or accounting as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. We'll get we'll get any hospital employee that'll be pumping and we can ensure that they have access to our pumping room here or if they need, they come in and they've forgotten something or they need something that if I can by any means support them or help them be successful with making sure that they're able to pump that day, we've got that space available to them if they need education or if they have questions, I'm, I'm always wanting to make myself available to any hospital employee. So Paula, would you say that you are in charge of that lactation room for its uh, equipment, its maintenance, its whatever, uh, would you say? Yeah, I would say that I, they would definitely come to me if they had any issues with anything that was happening within the room, any issues with the, with the pump that happens to be in there. I do keep track of all of our, our floor pumps that we have available for both staff as well as patients. Yeah, and that's, that's no small task sometimes. Exactly. Paula, remind me, how many deliveries do you do at your facility in a year? We do about... 1100 to probably 1300 Yeah, okay. Because what I'm thinking is you've really got to keep all the balls in the air. And uh, I don't know. You might be in a situation where you always have enough pumps. But if not, sometimes you find yourself kind of worrying about what the employee is going to have and what the patient's going to have because you've got high census. And yeah, those things do happen. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's it's certainly not simple by any means. And by the way, I just want to tell you, Paula, so many times when I have taught at your facility, as you know, there are people who come from Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, etc. Denver, we get a lot of people down from Denver. I cannot remember how many people have told me Oh, this is such a lovely hospital. It's so clean. It's so bright. It's so nice. It really is. I mean, it's just a wonderful facility. And maybe this is just the Texas hospitality, but honestly, everybody there always makes me feel very welcome. Very, They're very accommodating. I just always feel like everybody is just, it's really a great facility. It is. I, I honestly cannot imagine working anywhere else. This is definitely my second home. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I know. I just always feel like, 
you know, they treat me like some kind of queen and all I'm doing is just kind of being in the way, but nobody ever makes me feel that way. So I would just say uh, you are very, very fortunate to be there. But then on the other hand, uh, it's really great that you are there because you're one of the many people that in in fact behaves that way. Uh, Paula, talk to us about implementing change. I'm not sure that I am the most clinically astute person on the planet, although I do certainly think that I give good one-to-one care. But I think I'm really good at implementing change. I would also say, however, that when people talk to me about implementing change, I kind of chuckle and say, well, you wonder why I've got all these gray hairs? Believe me, I earned every one of them in the hospital. Implementing change is not easy, but clearly it is a major part of your role. Talk to us a little bit about implementing change. So I think change for a lot of people can be sort of a bad word. Sometimes yeah. that's, that brings about fear and there are many, and I may even be one of those people to say, I, I don't like change. Change can, sometimes scares me. Yeah, but I think yeah. change in healthcare is sort of a, it's going to happen. You're never going to get away from, <laughs> yep. from change in healthcare. So if change is a bad word, this may not be the, this may not be the direction you want to go. But for me, we, we are a, ma- a magnet designated facility and oh, right. I, I 100% believe that is where my support comes from. And I work for a facility who values change and absolutely 100% will support me if I bring a, a change topic to a committee. And I've been very fortunate to be able to implement change. And probably two of my pro- probably two of my change pro- projects that have been most successful have been my implementing skin to skin in our operating room, which is now for our healthy full term babies probably happening you know, nearly 90 plus percent of those deliveries, which oh, has been sweet. tremendous. And then implementing the use of donor milk for our full-term babies. We've we've had a donor milk policy for many, many years in our neonatal intensive care unit, but probably in just the last few years, we've actually began implementing its use on our in our nursery for babies that are having blood sugar issues or babies that are having bilirubin issues. And for many moms, exclusive breastfeeding is a goal that they have. And mm-hmm. the thought of, the thought of changing that or keeping them from meeting that goal for a medical condition that's, that's temporary is hard. And so I realized that we have this, we have this product that's sitting in our, our NICU. I want to use it. I want to be able to use it for any baby. And ultimately our, our NICU babies obviously kind of yeah, are first priority. in line. Yeah, sure. And if we're running low or something like that, obviously they get the, they, they, they are first in line. But if we have the available resources and we have moms that are open to that, and again, if that's a goal for them, we want, we want to give them that opportunity as well. And that has been a huge success, not only in just improving our overall breastfeeding rates, but for maternal satisfaction. These moms are very grateful for this opportunity. I've had moms that you know, will use donor milk in the hospital for their you know, 40-week baby, and then six months later, they're bringing me their, their expressed breast milk saying, here, I'm, I'm going to pay it forward. Here's my... You know, oh, 100 wow. ounces or 200 ounces and being nice. a donor milk drop site, I've got my freezer in my nursery and I actually just made a call the other day. It's, it's full to the brim. And so we're going to need to unload it and fill it back up. So it's been, it's been great to come full circle with that. Well, yes, but you've also got that uh, postpartum support group too. Yes. Yes. 
So the fact of the matter is the mothers might have had the experience of getting the donor milk, but now because they remain in touch with you, they remain in touch with the hospital. Oh, by the way, they're still lactating. I mean, all of those things just really kind of converge to make such a really, really good setup there. Did you have trouble selling the idea of donor milk for full-term kids to your colleagues? Um, I think from a financial aspect, it probably kind of was sort of the top of the list. How much is this going to cost? How much yep. money are you going <laughs> to, how much yep. money are you going to ask us to spend? And once I was able to really obviously bring the evidence forward with the benefits of this and the satisfaction these patients are going to be able to walk out of the hospital knowing that I was able to meet my goal, even though I ran into this little hiccup, my baby has still received just breast milk. And that was a goal that I had set for myself. And this, there is a little bit more that goes into to the setup or the proper handling. So sure. I think that that was a little bit of an education piece. It's not as easy as just opening up a formula bottle and putting a nipple on top and handing it to the parent. So we, we kind of had to implement the use of the, the milk warmers and how to properly handle and store the, the donor milk. But I think once we worked through all of those pieces, my nurses have been completely supportive and have been instrumental in educating these moms. And every mom is now given the option. I mean, if she has come in wanting to breastfeed her baby, she's given the option if supplementation becomes necessary of the use of the donor milk. Oh, that is so fabulous. Just fabulous, Paula. Uh, But I realized that that took a lot of thinking, a lot of doing, a lot of planning. And you probably had a couple of stumbling blocks along the way. But uh, getting the job done, it's just such a great sense of satisfaction. Paula, if you, as I like to say, if you were queen for a day, um, if you were queen for a day, if you were CEO, if you ran the hospital, why would you want to hire an IBCLC? So why I would hire an IBCLC, I think for me, the experience that I had in my journey of becoming certified, the nurses that I got to work alongside of were all IBCLC. And I honestly, I think that may have been all I knew at the time, way back when, those years ago. But I also think that while there's value in any of the the certifications that people might have related to lactation, I do think IBCLC is sort of the the ultimate goal. Maybe that somebody who's certified in, in in another way with regard to lactation could be sort of the, the stepping stones that they make to maybe ultimately becoming an IBCLC. I really feel like I have just a level of knowledge and over these last 17 or 18 years, I really feel like I can call myself an expert in the field that I'm in. And I feel like having that level of certification just gives me a little bit more credibility. Bit, yeah, just I, I feel like those letters behind my name... I, yeah, I value those, and I, and while I, I feel like I've I've worked hard to, to earn them, and I've worked hard to maintain them, and I feel like it's a certification that I really, again, I, I feel like it just makes me an expert in my field, if if that makes sense. Well, I don't think there's any question, but what you are an expert in your field, uh, Paula. We've only got a half a minute or so left. Um, my, do you have any final thoughts for anyone who's out there listening and thinking about becoming a hospital-based IBCLC? Any words of wisdom you'd like to say to that person? 
this field has been tremendously rewarding for me, and I am so grateful for the opportunities that I've, that I've had for anybody who is thinking about beginning this journey or has maybe just started this journey. There are multiple different components to it. It is not just bedside nursing with that, that couplet. While that's a, a part of it, I think also being prepared to, you know, walk the walk alongside the, the staff nurses and walk alongside the providers and developing those relationships and collaborating with them and having a very open line of communication and being willing to to listen and being willing to learn from even your fellow nurses and learning from your fellow providers. I feel like I'm constantly on a journey of learning and I'm so oh, grateful. Yes. yes. Fellow fellow lactation consultants who have, um, who are walking this journey with me. And, um, again, I would, I would encourage anybody who has a passion for this to absolutely jump into it, but to definitely understand that it is definitely not just the, the fun bedside. You see those pictures and things of the nurses leaning over the couplet and beautiful and and fantastic. And, And while it is, there is so much more to that. And, and I, again, I'm, I'm so grateful for the journey that I've had. I'm grateful for the facility that I work for, for the support that I've had. It's just been a tremendous, a tremendous career. Well said, well said, Paula Hannah. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Alrighty, and for those of you who are wondering, yes, there will be more. We'll talk about some more roles that you might have as an IBCLC, but we can't get that done today, so tune in later, and until then, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.